Hey yo, what's up guys? I'm your driver Tate Barber, and we've made it to episode 2 of the Carpool Cast. Today's Tuesday, March 15, 2016. Alright, let's get on the road. feeling pretty fantastic uh, the weather is just awesome and uh, you know woke up this morning fed the chickens fed the cat watered the plants all that stuff and uh, just feel real energetic uh, last night uh, was awesome I my wife and I decided we wanted to watch uh, one of the meteor showers that was happening last night it was just a small one but I've got like a little app on my phone and it notified me that you know, yesterday was uh, the peak of one of the meteor showers. So we got a tarp, put it on the porch, and put an air mattress on top. And just like sat there and stargazed for a good... Well, we, we stayed there all night and slept outside. And it was awesome. The weather was perfect. Uh, and we live out in the country and we're still new to kind of uh, the living out there. But man, it was like peaceful, and you could hear every single animal out in the woods. Uh, saw a couple shooting stars, all that stuff. Yeah, it was just a lot of fun, and like I've never felt uh, like I've gotten a more peaceful night of sleep than that. Uh, so it was really awesome, and it got me thinking. You know, we have like holidays for Thanksgiving and Christmas, where it seems like businesses kind of everywhere are able to take a break and like shut down. What if we did the same thing for, like, uh, one night of the year where we told, we kind of got everybody on board to turn off all of their lights? Because even though we live out in the country, we still couldn't see uh, a whole lot. Like, you could still see the glow from the city that was over kind of the hill and through the woods and everything. And while I am all about technology, while I'm all about advancement and stuff like that, there is something to be said for just kind of feeling like, ah, oh, man, I wonder what it would be like uh, without all the light pollution. Uh, I'm not, like, trying to pull some green agenda or anything like that, but I've seen uh, the night sky without light pollution before, and it's incredible, and I feel like people don't know what that's like or are not aware. That'd be awesome if we somehow made, like, a national holiday where we just said, okay, everybody, we're going to turn off our lights for, you know, four hours or six hours, Obviously, some businesses rely on outdoor lighting uh, between the hours of like 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., but I don't know. I wonder if something like that's possible. That, that's something I kind of thought about uh, this morning while I was, like, even at 6.30 in the morning, it was still, you could still see a lot of stars, so. Yeah, well, uh, I have a couple of topics for today. 
Uh, one of them concerns the organization called Anonymous and a story that I read uh, yesterday about uh, well, kind of one of their new agendas. If you haven't heard of Anonymous, go ahead and you know, pause it, look them up for a little bit. They're kind of responsible for a lot of uh, national and international kind of hacking events. Uh, not really a hacking event like a tournament or something like that. Like you might find in some sort of TV show, but uh, like a mission. So they'll go and shut down like a website from the government or from a foreign government that they usually it's because of some sort of corrupted uh, corrupt government or corrupt agenda that they're wanting to expose or they'll release release information about somebody that they want to expose information about so um, yeah I read a story about them so that's kind of up lined up for us another thing is about uh, Android I have some thoughts that you know, I follow a lot of Android news and a lot of phone tech. I also follow a lot of iPhone news. Um, and I read an interesting story this week that just kind of got me thinking about a couple of things that I know about Android that I think we could all benefit from. Uh, Android's kind of an enigma to most people. People don't know really what it is. So, so I'm going to kind of take a segment and talk about that. And then lastly, I thought we could talk about um, a little bit about client relationship management and um, kind of some of the problems I've run into as a freelancer and as well as some of the thing, the problems that I've done with some of my shortcomings as a freelancer. So I think it'd be good to kind of uh, swap some stories about clients and learn from those as well as kind of get some of my shortcomings out there so that I can learn from them because Honestly, I'm not very good at client relationship management. Uh, I want to be. I think I know uh, enough to kind of have moderate to healthy client relationships uh, and, you know, have healthy projects. But, you know, I'm not immune to the bad client. I'm not immune to the bad project. And uh, part, sometimes I kind of feel like I've gotten some bad clients or kind of an unusual amount of bad clients. But I think deep down inside, really, it's all about how I've managed those projects or how I managed uh, those clients. So yeah, that's kind of what I've got lined up. Uh, I think today, what we're going to try to aim for is a 20-minute episode. Uh, if we make it to the 30 minutes, that'd be awesome. I'm still pretty new to this whole podcasting thing, so talking to a microphone is still a little nerve-wracking. Uh, Yesterday's episode I listened to and edited and, and, and reviewed, and gosh, if there's like not a bigger downer in the world than listening to yourself uh, over a recording. <laughs> I'm listening to myself, I'm thinking, oh crap, like this is what everybody hears. This is what every single person knows as a voice, you know, as Tate's voice. So I got a little depressed and I was like, man, I don't even know if I want to keep doing this, but I'm going to, I'm going to push through. So I need you guys to give me a couple of, uh, encouragement, you know, pieces, but also, you know, feel free to make fun of me because I think like I've got four brothers and there's a healthy level of making fun of each other that we've all, uh, toughened up with. So yeah, I mean, again, I, I said this yesterday, I'm going to kind of say it one more time. Like, this is not your typical podcast because I'm not going to be sitting there in a soundproof room. I'm not going to be uh, with a fancy mic. I'm really terrible at editing. 
Uh, the only thing I can do is like an auto ducking. I didn't even know what auto ducking was until you know a couple days ago. Uh, I'm handy with you know using computer programs, so I was able to get into uh, an audio editing program and kind of edit away and figure it out. But yeah, that's kind of the best I got. Uh, the, if you didn't notice last episode, there's road noise, and that's to be expected. Uh, this is a show where I podcast and record on my way to work, making that 30-minute drive a productive one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, part of the program is going to involve road noise or the occasional guy that cuts me off or, you know, keys jingling or blinker signal, all that stuff. So yeah, I mean, that just kind of, just kind of think of that as a more authentic feel. We're not, we're not trying to impress anybody here. Uh, hopefully though the content is valuable so we're gonna we're gonna stick to it yeah so on to episode two Um, the first topic is about anonymous and hacking and the story that got me uh, that put this on the list was that they announced that they were gonna hack a bunch of Trump's websites that Trump was uh, their next target I don't want to get political here as much as I just kind of want to make a comment on uh, kind of the internet and security, as well as uh, something that I'm going to call business integrity. So, yeah, they kind of released a video targeting Trump and saying, okay, you're going to be our next target, and they, they named a bunch of websites that they kind of announced to the group, uh, which is really just a worldwide network, so to speak, of hackers. And so I wanted to comment about internet security and really the short version of it is that the internet is not secure it's just not and that's okay part of the beauty of it is that you know we can now adjust to the to the fact that it's not secure and still put out content that's you know worth something and that is valuable but not also uh, degrading or devaluing other people so an example of something of content that devalues other people is what you might hear on the news when you know some big figure says something negative about somebody else and then that information gets leaked or if some big figure uh, kind of talks under the table so to speak and is kind of doing some shady business uh, and if they're emailing that or posting that or have a site that houses that conversation it's not safe and you know that's that's something that's negative but there's a lot of things on the internet that are positive and if those things get hacked you know so what who cares because you know if there is a hacker out there that is targeting your website where you're posting kittens you know it doesn't make any sense no one would target that specifically except for a robot there are robots out there that will uh, infect your website and that will infect your servers. Uh, but if you're using a major hosting platform or major website provider, uh, you're probably not going to run into that. And again, there's probably no reason why anybody would target such a website uh, unless you really just happen to piss somebody off. Uh, and the same is true. It's funny because I had this conversation with my wife the other day. Like, uh, you know, we lock our doors at night, but during the day, you know, when we're in the kitchen and whatnot, we at least lately, while the weather's been nice, we leave the doors open, let the cool air blow through the house. 
And it was funny because my wife uh, walked outside on the porch uh, to for just a moment, and she came back in and deadbolted the porch door. And I was like, wait, what? It feels nice outside. Leave that up. And she's like, oh. And it really, deep down inside, is because, like, oh, she's, you know, afraid of, like, a robber or a murderer coming into the house. And, I mean, we all do stuff like that. We all secure stuff like that, and that makes sense. Uh, but I was, like, telling her, I was like, you know, 90% of murders happen or, you know, even, uh, like, big robberies happen from somebody that you know. Most crimes against you happen uh, from somebody you know. And I was like, if you're not afraid of, uh, you know, a family member or a friend, uh, then you should be less afraid of some random murderer. Uh, I know that's not necessarily true, but it was just kind of the point that usually the people that end up harming you are the people that are nearby or close or know you. And the same is probably going to be true if you're not a big political, you know, figure, if you're not a big celebrity uh, of your website. So the point is, is that anonymous, uh, somebody there, you know, some sort of leader there was pissed off by Trump and his campaign and some of his remarks. And so they're going to do something about that. And that kind of leads me into the next point of this topic, which is something I call business integrity. I'm under the kind of belief that kind of one of the, the biggest benefits of something like capitalism is business integrity. Business integrity is what you can use as the primary tool for capitalism. And some people might disagree with me, but I think it's it rings true the more you kind of look at it uh, and the more you kind of read some of the stories about businesses and, and, and culture and what the news is covering uh, as far as scandals are concerned, that people want to give you money if you've got a good business, if you're a good um, business owner. And quite frankly, Trump is a business. Uh, there's no way to really look around that. I mean, he is a brand, and that is talked about most often in the news media, that the name is a brand, that uh, some of his political stances, that his personality, that his uh, way of speech is a brand. Uh, and he knows that, I believe, and he's very aware, and that's why he's very sure to maintain his brand. He's been a businessman for years. And just because he's uh, in the political race now does not mean that all of that business logic is out the window. In fact, he's using it a, a lot to his advantage. And I think that's pretty evident because he has created this brand that some people get excited about. And when people get excited about a brand, uh, usually they kind of shut off some of their thinking and they rely more heavily on their emotional pull. And I've seen that locally too. There's a local business here in Northwest Arkansas called Fayette Chill, and it sprung up a couple of years ago, and pretty much all they did was sell a couple of tank top t-shirts uh, with a, a logo on it. And it was like a logo of some guy relaxing in an in a Eno hammock. It was the most hipster granola thing you could possibly dream up. And it sold like wildfire. And it didn't matter uh, if people thought that the shirts looked good. It didn't matter if people thought that really that it was like a solid 
product, the, the place had a brand and that brand spread all over Fayetteville. So people would buy it. And that's, and you see that in a lot of different kind of fad businesses. Uh, and so the point that I want to drive home is that be a good businessman, maintain uh, a brand that communicates integrity, that communicates uh, honesty, and in the end, that also gives value to other people. And in the end, people are going to want to bring you money and say, here, take it. I want to use you. And if you do the opposite, and if you get big, that means that you're prey and you're more likely to be targeted by something like anonymous, okay? Uh, anonymous would not target somebody that they found to be of low integrity. The media would not be bustling with you know, a scandal about a business that was high on integrity. So yeah, that's kind of the, the point that I wanted to drive home uh, concerning that issue. I'm not really concerned in getting into politics of it uh, or where you land on Donald Trump. Even if, wherever you land on the spectrum, he is probably one of the most interesting characters uh, you can find today. The manner of his success is, is really, really interesting and has a lot to do, I think, with brand and business. The second topic I wanted to get to uh, concerns Android. Android uh, came out with, or at least there was a lot of articles about Android that came out with a, kind of an update about their next version. Right now we're on Android Marshmallow, and the next one is Android N. Uh, we don't know what candy that's going to be associated with yet that I'm aware of. I haven't really read that yet. Um, but they kind of announced that they were going to be introducing a split-screen technology, and that's kind of been on the table for a long time. And in fact, we've seen various Android platforms uh, give attempts at doing something like a split-screen phone, uh, opening up two applications on the same, you know, front screen. But we really haven't seen that with raw, vanilla Android, and, I, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. Uh, but another rumor that was about that is that they were going to consider doing what's called a freeform window, like what you would find on your Mac or your PC. Uh, the ability to have, you know, draggable, rearrangeable windows that contain separate applications and even let applications open up multiple windows. Uh, that's something that has rarely been on the table as far as Android is concerned, and so that may be just a rumor. Uh, but part of that rumor involves Android partner, partnering up with Chrome, which I think would be pretty interesting to create uh, both a mobile and a potential desktop experience. I'd be, I'd be thrilled uh, with that. You know, right now I have a lot of friends that, you know, have Macs and their parents bought them a Mac for their, you know, first year of college or something like that. And I've never really understood why that makes a lot of sense because Mac as a, as a kind of a student device doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because really the only thing a student needs to do is browse the internet, word processing, that's pretty much it. Uh, watch Netflix, browse Facebook, and all of those things are able to be done through a browser and so which I usually suggest people hop on uh, Chrome books or Chrome OS uh, because they're cheap and they're affordable and there's no point in their parents spending like making their parents spend two thousand dollars that could have gone towards tuition or student debt uh, and instead just pay a couple hundred bucks 
and you can get yourself a Chromebook that you're able to watch Netflix on. It usually has an HDMI port, plug it into a TV. That becomes your kind of internet streaming device. Uh, you can use Google Docs even offline for your word processing. And, you know, my brother does that. My mom owns her own business, and she uses that pretty much exclusively. In fact, she's got a really interesting setup. She runs a weight loss business, and so there are coaches, uh, and they need to have a computer right there by them. And so they really just have these Chromebooks, uh, and it works out. They basically have a portable office uh, by just giving everybody a bunch of Chromebooks. And you see that in schools, too. A lot of schools are picking up that Chromebooks are affordable and really can handle all of, all of their needs. Um, and really, Macs don't have anything special about them unless you're a designer or a developer. In which case, I would highly encourage you to get a Mac. Uh, if you're a developer and can swing it, I'd highly encourage you to try out a Linux operating system uh, like Ubuntu. Uh, I personally use Kubuntu, in case anybody was wanting to know. Uh, but I'm but I think I'm going to be switching back to Mac. I always, I always bounce around. Um, but yeah, Android is an interesting thing. It's, a, it's an enigma to most people because when people think of Android, they most often think of a Samsung Galaxy series. And quite frankly, that's probably a poor representation of what Android really is. The beauty, beauty of Android is that a long time ago, it like came out and Google made the phone and Google branded the phone. And a lot of people I know use a Google product, and, and they are personally satisfied with using those Google products. And so a lot of them will buy an Android. Actually, a lot of my friends will buy an iPhone, and I don't blame them. I would highly encourage most people to get an iPhone, uh, particularly adults that find it troubling to, or that find it that they have trouble uh, dealing with gadgets or figuring out or configuring settings and things like that. iPhones can be pretty helpful. Um, and I used to be on the Samsung Galaxy series for a long time, and as I was on that, I found out that it wasn't real Android. It's something called TouchWiz, which Samsung has developed personally, and they branched off of Android. They took the Android system and they made modifications to it, called it TouchWiz. I've never seen more of a successful marketing campaign than what Samsung Galaxy series has done because you see commercials for it. They've got branded VR kits. Um, everybody and their mother like gets the next Galaxy Note or the Galaxy S series. Um, and it's really interesting to me because it's not Android. Yeah, it's it was based on Android, but it has come uh, such a long way that it is vastly different than what I'm going to call vanilla Android, which is kind of the... Um, code base that Google releases and that Google puts on all of their uh, Nexus devices, or what is what they're called. And so, if you claim to be kind of a fan of Android, I'd really consider, I'd really encourage you to consider trying out a Nexus device because TouchWiz is not the same. TouchWiz, in all of my experience, has been slow. Uh, like in the past, I mean, the camera opened up in like a matter of five, sometimes 10 seconds. This was on like back when I was on the S4. Uh, the camera was just terrible on it. I think they fixed that problem. Um, but yeah, like they, they modify it so heavily that they're able to put things on there like a split screen view and 
and kind of advertise that. Anyway, what I find interesting is that they immediately jumped on the Android bandwagon back in the day, and people bought it and are still buying it, and they're making a killing. Um, and then they offer crazy promotional deals, like I recently just saw a buy one, get one free uh, Galaxy S7. I thought that was like super interesting. I'm like, wow, man, they're really pushing you know, their brand. They're really pushing their devices. And most people that I know that's ever bought a Galaxy device, they stick with it. They upgrade to the next one, just like people do with their iPhones. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to say about Android and some of the news that I heard with that and some of the kind of implications that that means. And I just kind of wanted to share what information I know. I know a ton more about Android, but sometimes that can be a little bit boring uh, for some people. The last thing I wanted to talk about was about client relationships. You know, this is not my strong suit. Honestly, my strong suit is probably more on uh, technology consulting, even sometimes more than it is web development. Uh, because as a web developer, I strive uh, for such a high level of perfectionism that it's hard for me to meet deadlines. It's hard for me to uh, really put out a complete and put together product. Uh, and I don't mean perf like perfection as far as there aren't any bugs or whatnot. In fact, most of my things have bugs because of my perfectionism, and, I, and I'll explain that. But it's that I spend more time making sure that I'm programming something the right way or using the right tools, and I'll spend more time working on that than I am working on whittling out bugs or making sure that it's functional and fast. Uh, and, and the same is true with how that affects my client relationships. I'll spend more time trying to uh, coach people on kind of how I would go about their project versus just jumping out there and getting it done. And so if you're like me, some of the best advice I can give to you know us is that there is a lot of value in jumping in the project, getting it done, uh, not worrying about what technology it uses or um, kind of what project style it is, and really just getting in there, finishing it up, delivering something as fast as you possibly can, and then tweaking it from there. Uh, that is more beneficial than spending double the time missing deadlines uh, and not having a fully complete functional product. Uh, I think the same can be true with design. Sometimes you can be spent, you can spend so much time perfecting every single little aspect of typography, typography and font, and getting every single thing perfect, as if like it could be printed in some sort of uh, fancy magazine. Even though the web isn't really transferable to magazines, sometimes we think that way, and. Sometimes it's important just to, you know, okay, I'm just going to use the same font, the whole, the whole website. I'm going to have two fonts, you know, a header font and a paragraph font. Or I'm going to, um, you know, use a very simple uh, unmodified color palette. And I'm just going to make sure that there's ample space and ample uh, room for me to tweak this and to make it better. Uh, we can always make it better later. We can always get something out there, get something in front of the client, get their input on it, get their feedback on it. And that's really where a lot of the magic can actually happen is once you get feedback, you can make your product better. 
versus spending so much time trying to perfect it. Really, the more perfect product is after it's been through many revisions. Um, and that's something I'm really bad at. So I don't want to sit up here and, and, and kind of tell you what you should do. I'm telling myself what I should do. And so, you know, I'm feeling pretty pumped today. Got a great night's sleep. Uh, the weather is awesome. I'm going to go to work, make myself a cup of coffee, and really try to act out uh, what I'm talking about here. Because I've got um, some projects myself that are on the table, both personal projects and work projects, that I can be implementing this kind of work style. Uh, so yeah, whatever, whatever project you're working on out there, uh, think about how you can answer this question. How can we get our product out there faster so that ourselves or other people can review it sooner? Um, for me, that means uh, not coding and programming right off the bat, but instead prototyping out a front end uh, and making that prototype semi-functional so that I can go behind the scenes and code the rest of it and then come back and apply more of a detailed design to it after a designer has gotten a hold of that. Uh, that's something that, that I can do personally. Uh, but when I can prototype, when I can really get just kind of the, the schematic or the skeleton up there, it allows for the designer and me to work at the same time. It also allows the client to realize, oh crap, like this functionality that I said I wanted, I don't really want. Or actually, it's usually the opposite story. Uh, I need twice as much functionality than I thought, uh, than I originally knew. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of the question of the day. Uh, yeah, that kind of wraps up our program, and we made it to a full 30 minutes, or roughly. Um, yeah, so as always, drive safely, and I'll uh, see you guys around the campus.